Hey folks, welcome to episode 315 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined, as always, from Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're on the cusp. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, probably one of the last podcasts. We'll both maybe be sitting at home for a little bit? Or maybe February. February, I don't think uh, you and I have a lot of traveling. Yeah, February we will be fairly homebound, I think. I mean, then after that the, uh, is when it starts getting a little wild, correct? Yeah, it gets pretty bonkers after that. Um, but yeah, for now, uh, you and I are home. I know that I'm looking out at snow. It's below freezing, and um, the shadows are growing long. It's three in the afternoon, but I am ready to head to. Uh, sunny texas where we will probably not be wearing flip-flops <laughs> probably not though it does look like it's supposed to warm up uh in the 10 days so i mean you might be able to yeah that would be nice it's gonna be kind of chilly though down there for a little bit of it um yeah it's like lows which, in the 20s although right now it's uh i think negative three outside that's fahrenheit for any of our uh, canadian listeners uh oh yeah it's like in the 20s right now here so <laughs> yeah it's like stupid cold here the wind chill tonight's supposed to be like 38 below zero uh which is a little Ooh. brisk yeah that's no fun <laughs> yo i just looked at the weather for brooklyn and i had this like moment where i totally disassociated it being in texas and i was like 41 43 49 sunny and i was like i'm gonna go crack them and then i was like oh crap i'm nope, not never mind no nope. just gonna be holding on to <laughs> like i was just thinking this was like a really good stretch of december days for me to go fishing for some reason <laughs> yeah. and it would be right uh, oh yeah dude we'd, we'd wreck them um yeah northeast wind around five miles an hour on saturday high near 49 i'd probably catch 70 bass that day <laughs> i believe it at least 50 minimum um so yeah that would be dope but it, it's not to be um anyway kyle we have a old-fashioned show this week i think it should be a good one we get to talk about a tournament that is coming up we get to talk about tournaments that have happened this is a big thing mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've done that um we get to talk about fantasy fishing another real blast from the past <laughs> yeah um and then uh let's see I guess that pretty much does it. We don't even have any ads right now. Like, this is really a traditional, uh, for, for the longtime fans, this is the show you want. Yep, most definitely. Um, but anyway, before we do all that, Jeff Reynolds is our guest this week. He is not a rookie, but is a newcomer to the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. A pretty good angler. Uh, we had a good conversation. And I guess we'll go ahead and throw it over to him right now. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Jeff Reynolds, uh, new to the uh, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, not technically a rookie though. Um, Jeff, I guess uh, congratulations on going pro again, and uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, absolutely. Uh, Proud to do it. Good deal. Um, I want to kind of start with your history, I guess, because, you know, we did a, a prediction story this year and uh 
yep. Marty Stone, uh, he called you a superstar in the making. Um, and this was back in, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. You made the classic four times. You made the top 12, I think, twice. Like, your previous pro career, it wasn't just kind of like a little blip on the radar. You know, you didn't do it for a year because right. you had a tournament on your home lake. Um, right. And now you're getting ready to step back into it to the national level. So I guess, what happened back then? How did it start? How did it end? Well, it it, it kind of all started, I think, the second year I fished the Opens, I qualified to fish the Elites. And um, didn't really, I mean, you know, as a kid growing up, you always had plans of, fishing for a living or you know whatever it may be and when i qualified for it i thought man i i don't know if i want to do this or not do i have the money to do it you know i sure don't have the sponsors to do it and uh two good friends of mine were fishing uh edwin evers and jeff great fish team tournaments with both of them guys growing up and uh i thought well you know what why not i mean at least try it for a year and see what happens and I really, I really kind of, I don't know if you would say come out too soon. I, I really wasn't ready. Fortunately enough, I did good the first year, made the classic, but I, I didn't know as much as what I should have. You know, just fishing locally all my life when I was a kid, um, just didn't know that many techniques. I mean, I was felt like I was a pretty decent shallow water fisherman, but just didn't know that much about electronics or anything else. And and had a good year the first year, so that was good enough to keep me going. And um, didn't I, d- I just didn't really know the sponsor game. I mean, I'm kind of I'm from the country, old school. Just the the sponsor deal always was hard because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable asking people for money, and that's part of the sponsorship game. I mean, you have to you have to deliver for people and you have to ask for money. That's the only way you're going to get it. Not too many of them are going to offer it out there. And that's where I struggled, um, in my fishing career is keep is, is getting the sponsors to afford to keep doing it. And I just didn't, I got frustrated, I guess you would say, because I thought after, you know, doing pretty good for four years, you know, making, making four classics, I thought, you know, I ought to be getting some good sponsors, but it was, it was all my fault because I wasn't going to the right people or, or, you know, getting the right contacts and asking the right questions. And I just, I didn't get the money and I had a couple bad years at the end and it was really a mental thing. I mean, this is, there's a lot of stress on you and your family when you're putting this much money up to fish and when you're not making money, and that much money's going out, and, you know, if you're paying forty, fifty thousand dollars in entry fees and and if you're not winning much, you know, even getting checks, you know, that's that's what a lot of guys don't look at. They think, Oh, it's great to be a professional fisherman, but man, if you're not getting any any help from sponsors or or have a lot of money or have a business where you're making a lot of money, I mean, you got that money and entry fees going out not counting expenses, you can you can get yourself in a bind in a hurry and it just, towards the end, you know, a lot of mental stuff, just, you know, frustrated, you know, not getting the sponsors. And I was just like, man, not making that much money. I'm, I'm going to quit before I put me and my wife in a bind. So that's what I did. I mean, that's probably smart because, like, there, I think you can definitely fish 
too much. There are people who quit when they're pretty well behind fishing, and that's yes, that's absolutely. not what you want to be doing um, if you can't if you no. can help it. Um, no, and it, it's it's a whole different deal. Mentally, it's a whole different ball game when when you know you're making money. In a couple of years, I did pretty good. You know, I made decent money off sponsors. But if you're doing that, fishing's a lot easier. When you're not fishing to try to put food on the table or to get to the next tournament, it's it's just different. It's a different mentality. You can fish different. I mean, towards the end, I was going out thinking, I've got to just try to make a $10,000 check to get to the next tournament, or I'm not going to have enough money to even go to the next tournament. And you, you just, you fish totally different and stress is, I mean, you know how that is. I mean, everybody handles stress different, but when it's stress on money, I mean, it, it's hard to do anything. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, you probably, if you're making decisions to make that $10,000 check all the time, that takes a lot of the decisions that you might make to win a tournament off the table. And I mean, you know, like absolutely winning a tournament is huge it's like disproportionately gigantic in bass fishing not only because of the money but because of yes yep just like that's the stuff people remember you know that's right that's right and that's where you get i mean just like sponsors they would probably rather see somebody win a tournament than and and not ever get another check than to just get a bunch of checks because you know you just you don't get that much uh exposure or tv time just cutting checks i mean and, and rightfully so. I mean, who wants to watch the guy that's in 50th place on TV? They want to see the guys are in the battle to win the tournament. And, I mean, it's just the nature of the game. I, I hear you. So what uh, what did you do when you got out? Um, did you start it? Like, I, I don't know if you were working a job or had some kind of business on the side when you were back in, you know, 2007, 2008. Or did you start a business? Like, what, what have you been doing in no. the meantime? Um, since then, I started working for a good friend of mine, Wade Middleton, uh, on Scarecrow TV. And uh, just doing a lot of filming, filming hunting and fishing shows, uh, you know, running a camera. And really enjoyed that. I mean, that, that was uh, really a blessing for me because I wasn't – I just – I'd been away from working a – you know, an eight to five job for so long. I was like, I really don't want to go back and, and do that. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And working for him, you know, getting to stay in the outdoors, hunting fish, and really kind of just sit back and learn uh, the sponsor game. You know, I mean, Wade does great with sponsors. You know, he has a TV shows, mm-hmm. so obviously he has sponsors, but, uh, Wade's real good in the business and he really has really helped me a lot. Um, just kind of, and along with other people too, just seeing how the whole game is played, you know, how, how you have to work with sponsors and stuff you need to do. Um, and the game's changed a lot since I was in it, you know, social media is the number one deal now. And, um, you know, I've always thought, you know, nobody wants to hear what I have to say or, well, there's, it's not necessarily you. They just want to see somebody wants to watch somebody fishing or, or doing something funny or whatever. And, and that's pretty much the way I see it. It's what it's all about now. 
No doubt. And I think the uh, I think you succumb to uh, Instagram like this this fall, right? Yeah, <laughs> I actually did. We were we were out at a hunt and and Wade has been because I've been talking about this for a little while. Yeah, you know, I've been kind of itching to get back into it. You know, I fish more since I since I quit. I guess when I quit. Uh, there was a year or two went by that I didn't fish a whole lot. And then I really started fishing a bunch again and, uh, fish a lot of tournaments, you know, just small stuff, local regional stuff. And, uh, just, I mean, really started enjoying fishing again and, um, doing pretty good. And, and we were out at a hunt this past fall, um, down South Texas and Brandon Polinick was actually out with us hunting and he's okay everybody knows and yeah he he's not too bad at it he's like they've got to get an instagram account now i'm like what the heck's instagram <laughs> oh no he's like he's like uh we're setting you one up so we got it all set up and kind of got it started and that's that's just that's something that that i'm gonna have to work on and that that's what people want to see i mean the, the more stuff you put out there the better chances you have uh of making money i like it um what about so you you worked a real job which was not really a real job which sounds perfect like that's right that's the thing yep. that i love about my job is that i don't go into an office uh, a third of the time i get to spend it like literally watching guys fish it's great um yep what a I guess what made you want to get back into fishing as a pro and doing the you know doing six seven maybe more tournaments a year and going all in on this because it is a really big expense and it is you know you know you at at some point let's say 2010 you know whenever whenever you got out of it you could have i imagine jumped back into the flw tour or something at a right. lot of points in your life, right. but you chose now. Yeah. Yep. I, I think, um, I really don't know. I mean, whenever I quit, I was done. I, I was done at that level. Uh, you know, I still love the fish. I mean, I've always loved the fish. I don't think that will ever change. But, um, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, I just, I knew down deep that I, I didn't need to be out there at the time. I wasn't in the right place mentally to be out there because I was just so frustrated, you know, with, uh, and it was all on, all on me. I mean, I wasn't doing the stuff I needed to do to get sponsors and not making that money. I'm like, I'm not, not doing this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to tr- take a chance on putting my family in a bind. And since then, uh, you know, just really got in a better place as far as, being more comfortable talking to sponsors and, and, uh, you know, not that I'm getting a lot now, but I know what I need to do now. I know how to handle things now that I didn't back then sponsor wise. Um, and I thought if, if I, if I go back and do it again, and a lot of this was, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in Christ and I prayed about it a lot. And when it was time for me to go back, I knew it was time. I mean, I, I, me and my wife both were praying about it, and I just I just knew that it was time to go back. And I thought I'm gonna do it right this time. I'm gonna try to do my social media right and give it a year or two and see if I get the sponsors. I mean, and you know that's the deal. You know, 
there's a lot of sponsors out there that you're getting stuff from, but to me, I mean, when I'm talking about sponsors, I mean, I've got some, obviously, that are not paying sponsors, but they're still doing a lot for me, you know, as far as product or something like that. That's that's a lot of money in product. That's one thing. But I've had a lot of kids ask me, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's like, first thing you need to do is have something to fall back on. Second thing is you need to be making at least $50,000 to afford to do it unless you got back in somewhere because it's an expensive sport. I mean, you talk about our entry fees this year, what are they, $35,000? And then another couple thousand per tournament. I mean, it's expensive. You know, getting a $10,000 check, you didn't make $10,000. I mean, you made a profit of, you know, about $2,500. So, you know, I don't don't know. It just, everything seemed right. And like I say, we'll give it a year or two and, and see what happens and go from there. Cool. Cool. I, I definitely, I, I like that you're trying it again for sure. Cause I mean, you, I, I think that Texoma is your home lake, but I mean, you've yep. won a Toyota series event. Like you did really well last year. I mean, second in AOI in the Southwestern division, I think, uh, you had yep. two top tens. I want to say you top 10 of the championship. Like, yep. you know, it seems like you're fishing now at the level where you ought to be able to jump in and contend. I, I mean, I would imagine. Right. I feel like I can. Um, you know, fishing is fishing. I mean, everybody at that level is good. I mean, I, I feel like I have the ability to compete with with most people. Um, just like going into this year, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've done it long enough now that there's not as many surprises you know, I know you've got to catch them. You've got to catch them better every day. And when I was younger, I just, you know, I didn't know. There was a lot of things in fishing that you really can't explain. You just, you just don't know. It's just a different mental, mental game than what most people think. And, and now I feel like I have the ability to win. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel more comfortable in my fishing now than what I did. And you know, I've gotten older, more mature, just in a better mental state too that that's cool i think i i don't want to say it's exactly the same but joseph webster went from the uh let's see he fished like the tbf national championship he fished the forestwood cup and then you know he had several extremely successful years on the FLW tour on the pro circuit. Last year he qualified for the elite series. He's fishing there this year, like, and he's not like a spring chicken. You know, it seems like not to. It, it seems like you could very well be at like your prime, even if it's right. past like the calendar time where it's like this right. is when this guy yep. should be making hay. So I, I think it's cool yep. that you're taking another crack at it. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I've talked to people about it before, and it's like right now, not to say that I'm fixing to go out there and set the world on fire and win three tournaments and win angle of the year. I mean, you just never know. Everybody's capable of it, and it's it's really just the tournaments line up the best for you. I mean, fit your style of fishing or, you know, make the right decisions or what it may be. I mean, 
we all know how it is in six tournaments or five tournaments, one tournament can run you as far as, you know, have a chance today or why. But I feel like now I'm fishing as good or better than I've ever fished. I feel like I'm just capable of making better decisions now. And I feel like I know what it takes to win. And it's it's just pretty much a matter, matter of making the right decisions now. That's cool. Um, did you, uh, I guess, is there anything you feel like has really changed in your fishing? I remember you mentioned that you were kind of a shallow water guy, like you weren't, you know, you weren't big on electronics, which granted, like back in 2007, I, I don't even know. I mean, I guess there were electronics, but we didn't have live scope. You know, we didn't have spot lock. Um, right. What, what right. do you feel like you've added to your game? Well, I mean, I've learned a lot more about electronics and offshore fishing than what I used to know. And I mean, granted, you know, I did it when I was younger. I mean, I had a couple of good tournaments at Kentucky Lake uh, fishing deep on a crankbait. It, but now it just, I really, Garmin has really changed my style of fishing out deep or my confidence level out deep, especially with the, with live scope. Just, I really understand that a lot better being able to see stuff live and know what's going on. I, I don't know. It's just, it's made it a lot easier for me. Um, you know, I, I'm still not the best at just getting out and graphing and, you know, pulling up, you know, out on across the spot and saying, Oh man, I can catch him right here. I'm, I'm more of a feel person. If I, if I see something down there, that looks good. I need to make a cast or two on it just to feel what's down there and, and get a better idea. But, uh, you know, this year, the new units that I've got this year, they are just so crisp and clear. And, and that's with a lot of the units. I mean, a lot of the different companies. I mean, they've all upped their game because everybody comes out with something different and the other ones have to keep up, you know, to stay in the game. And Garmin's side view has really helped me a lot just being able to see stuff and know what it is. But the, the life scope is really what's changed it because you can sit out there and look at them fish and, chase them around and now it can make you chase fish around for a long time and not catch them but you got to know what you can catch and what you can't but it, it's i've really enjoyed playing with that the crappie fishing is what's really helped me a lot because i played with crappie a lot with it catching a lot of them and that's helped a ton i really so i, I live up in vermont and you know i i probably should start fishing for crappie with live scope because everybody from the south is like oh yeah you gotta fish your crappie with live scope you'll learn so much and i'm like i oh, know yes. like three places where i could catch a crappie but i can catch a smallmouth like really easy so <laughs> i do that um yep. yep but man it seems like a great education yep. oh it is i mean because there's there's no rush in it you know it's not like you're on a time schedule to to get to a weigh-in and it's just going out there and having a good time maybe with your buddy or whatever but you're just you're sitting there looking at your electronics the whole time and you're just pretty much trolling around till you see one and then going over and catching them you know different times of year it's different sometimes they're on the brush piles and you're just looking for a brush pile that's loaded with them but i like it in the winter time where you're just chasing singles around you just see one single crappie suspended out there and you just follow them around you know until you catch him and that's that's helped me a lot with fishing. I mean, I can name a couple tournaments locally that I've won the last couple of years that's been strictly off live scope. I mean, me and my team partner, we won one this past year 
had like 22 pounds of smallmouth, and I caught every one of them looking at them on live scope. That's really cool. That's awesome. That's not like a thing that you... Th- yep. I mean, I guess, you know, so uh, what? Uh, what's his name? Josh Jones is from Oklahoma, but like yep. in my head, yep. I don't think of Oklahoma as being like a some what should be a live scope mecca but it seems like man right. there's an application for it there definitely is most people think of oklahoma and a lot of lakes that that people talk about in oklahoma are more shallow water lakes uh you know where you're just you know up a river or something flipping and throwing a spinnerbait but oklahoma has several lakes the ones the lakes that's got the really big ones in it um they are more of a deeper lake and you can you can definitely use live scope um i mean there's one not too awful far from my house that's it's a real deep lake uh it's not very big but it's real deep and it's got it's got big ones in it they don't get caught very often um but it kind of it kind of got exploded a few years ago because men have team partner of mine we fished a tournament out there and had five that weighed 42 something oh my god and (laughs) it it was seen them on a graph so it's it's definitely a game changer that's amazing um well i i i guess uh i don't even have a so we have a series of like rookie questions we ask and i want to ask them even though you're not a rookie but i don't even have what's your biggest uh, bag ever on it but i would guess that probably uh you you'd probably yeah. set the record right there <laughs> That's uh, yeah incredible. that was my biggest stringer ever yep um man i did you have you come close to that before did you know it was gonna happen i mean what a was it like a 10 cast thing where you hit like his beautiful school or did you put them together like all day long going chasing after oh no singles? it was all day long we actually, it was actually a tournament that, it was a new tournament trail, and a buddy of mine was wanting to fish it, and we decided to go over and practice. I'd never been on the lake before, and you'd heard of people catching a big one every now and then on this lake, and I actually called Jeff Creek, a good friend of mine, and asked him about it, because he'd fished over some, and he said, yeah, just go over in this area, throw a drop shot, you'll catch 11 or 12 pounds, and you'll win the tournament. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, that don't sound fun because I don't like the old drop shot. But we go over there and practice, and we spent all day, and we caught one fish in about 50 foot of water um, out of a brush pile, and it was a crappie. And I'm like, golly. I was like, I don't even want to go back. My buddy's like, oh, yeah, let's go back. And this, this, all this tournament was was a like a kickoff for the trail it was no entry fee and it only paid first place first place was you got free entries for that tournament trail that year and you know there was only like i don't know there might have been 20 or 30 teams fishing it and uh so we go back over there and my buddy's like what are we gonna do i was like well i'll tell you one thing we're not gonna fish shallow because all the chatter are out in 50 foot of water and uh we're gonna fish deep all day and so we did and uh we just we caught we caught the first three and probably the first hour. Uh, the first one was like a, I think the first one was like nine something and uh, caught it on a little blade bait. And it was in about 
45 foot of water and it was kind of funny because my my partner that was with me after the third one he's like it's over i mean we've done one i'm like what are you talking about we ain't got but three fish in there he's like they're all giants i said no they're not that big you're big at them and i'm always <laughs> bad about underguessing them but i really wasn't paying attention to them i mean when he put them in a live well i wasn't really looking i knew they were good ones obviously but i didn't know they were that big and i really didn't i know when i tell this story to people like oh you're crazy i'm like no nah, i really just really wasn't paying attention I, I i just when i'm fishing a tournament i just kind of get when i get focused i just don't really pay attention to how big the fish are now you know most tournaments i put them on scales and you know i know my weight and when it's multiple day tournaments because you don't want to just keep pounding on your fish if you get to your target weight but in this case i'm like yeah we, we need two more is all i know well we catch a couple more in we didn't catch that many fish that day. He catches one about three pounds, and he's like, it's pretty sad catching three pounder, and he ain't even close to culling anything. And I'm like, yeah, I guess he may not. Well, we had about 30 minutes left in the day, and he's like, dude, let's go to weigh in. It's over. I mean, we've done blown it away. And I'm like, no, we he's need to He's ready to get pizza. One. I like him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's ready to get pizza. And I was like, no, we need to cull one more. And he's like, no, we don't. Well, I finally pull up on a spot, and I catch one about seven pounds, and I was like, there, that'll go. Well, <laughs> he's like, that won't go. And I'm like, you're crazy. This is a seven-pounder. And I go back there and open the live well, and that's when I realized how big they were. And uh, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. These are giants. <laughs> said, yeah, I told you. So we go to the scales and have like 42, and second place is 20 pounds, and we're like, wow, that, that was a pretty remarkable day. That is amazing. Did you watch them all bite, like, every fish you saw on the, on the screen? or Not all of them, but a few of them, yes. God, that is cool. Yep. I have, uh, I, I can't even ima- imagine catching 40 pounds in a day. Like, it would blow my mind. I guess it probably yeah, it would, would blow everybody's mind, except, like, Derek Mundy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 he's used to that. Yeah, it's like it every was, other day uh, for him. It was really <laughs> neat because the biggest fish was like a nine-pounder. It's like the biggest fish was nine-something. Did not have a ten-pounder. Yeah, which a lot of times it seems like when guys do catch those giant bags, they have like a a 12 or a 13. Like they have... Yep. Not that... Not, I mean, it sounds weird to call it a kicker, but they have a kicker. Um, right. They just had all giants. Right yep golly that's so cool um I, I guess maybe looking ahead at this year what are what are your goals now that you're getting back into it because you you can't have win rookie of the year as a goal but you've got to right. have some <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean i've got a lot of goals i mean in in, in mine are set high i mean i want to win a tournament i want to win angle of the year and i want to win the championship i want to win as much as i can I mean, that's, that's really, really probably my biggest reason for getting back into fishing, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. Um, you know, I've been married for 17 years. I've got a four-year-old daughter, uh, as crazy as that sounds to be that old and just (laughs) have a four-year-old. But I mean, I want to win. I want to make money. 
that's that's what I'm in it for. I I love to fish, and that's just that's just what I want to do. I want to make enough money to provide for my family and and provide for my daughter. Nice. Well, you definitely. I mean, the way you're fishing, it seems like now is as good a time as any to swing. And I mean, yep. You're yep. running a Phoenix. If you win a tournament, you know that's swinging pretty big. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's an extra thirty-five thousand dollars, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, some pretty good coin for sure. Yes, it is. Um, cool. Well, I, I one before we do our sort of rookie questions or shorter questions, okay. let's say, tell me a little bit about Rayburn. What do you think we're gonna see coming up here? Because I have seen incredible weights from Rayburn in the wintertime in the last couple of years. You fished that Monday tournament, and I've also yep. seen, uh, you know, some pretty rough weights recently and some guys who have said, man, this is going to be a grind. Uh, but you came down, you went and pre-practiced. What's the vibe? Yeah, I did. I, I, I pre-fished for three days uh, before it went off limits, and I didn't do just a whole lot of fishing. I did a lot of idling, a lot of looking. Uh, there's not near as much grass as there used to be. That's going to be a big factor. There's going to be a lot of fish caught out of grass, no doubt. There always is. But that stuff is going to get really, really beat up. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys trying to fish grass, and there's going to be a lot of people on top of each other. I don't think you can win out of grass. You know, I may be wrong. But Rayburn is... Rayburn is different on offshore. It's it's not like a Kentucky lake or or something like that where you, you know the spots and you just go out there and get on the ledges and start fishing. Um, them fish, I think, they just set up in different places. And if you find one of them mega schools, I mean, one day can carry you to the final day. But chasing them schools could get you in last place so it's it's kind of a risk reward kind of deal and the problem we had in practice over was the water temperature was like nearly 60 degrees so the fishing was a lot different fish really wasn't grouped up that good uh you know and i did see a lot of small fish you know schooled up but i think with it being cooler i know the water had to have cooled off a bunch because it's gotten a lot colder since then I, I think the fish are going to be grouped up a little bit better, uh, you know, being offshore or shallow. I think you're going to find bigger schools of fish. But I think it's going to be a wide-open tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of different things you can do, and it's just going to be a matter of making the right decisions. Okay. Well, looking at the weather for next week, it definitely looks like it'll be kind of wintry, you know, I think Tuesday, right. it's the high is 57. The low Tuesday night is like 32. You know, Wednesday, high right. is 49. You know, it's not like... Right. And granted, I guess probably that's the way, you know, it always is when we have a tournament. But it's not going to be Chamber oh, yeah. of Commerce, <laughs> you know, 75 and sunny. And that might be a good thing, you know? Yeah. Rayburn's are really a tough place to fish if the wind blows really hard. If it blows out of the north or the south really hard, it's hard to move around on. But if the wind does blow or you get some cloud cover 
it, I think it's going to be a lot better overall for everybody, you know, just as far as fish biting and, and being able to catch fish. But, you know, I, I, I think Ben Cooler is going to be a, a good thing. What do you think about the potential for like kind of either a, sh- I, I, I guess a shallow bite, but maybe a shallow bite doing something kind of weird because I, I, I've heard it's low at the same time, you know, a few years ago, John Canada caught a lot of fish, uh, way up the Angelina on like cypress trees yep. and stuff. Tommy Dickerson caught a lot of fish. Yep. Um, with like, you know, with like a chatterbait and stuff fishing in a place yep. that my boat driver had, and he fished there a bunch. Like my boat driver had never been there. We idled for like, you know, 25 minutes to get to where Dickerson yep. was fishing. Cause we didn't want to tear something off. <laughs> Like, right. do you think there's a potential for that, or do you think the water is low enough that you're not going to be able to do really weird stuff? I think it's going to be too low for that. Um, now, there will be some places that I think a guy's going to just kind of do something a little bit off the wall and catch them. Um, but being three and a half feet low, there's going to be a ton of stuff that's going to be on dry land that is good stuff that you you know you could you could catch them really good out of because most of the time I mean you can look back in history most of the time the stuff that wins especially these four day tournaments is not somebody that catches you know thirty five pounds one day and then goes on from there it's somebody that can stay consistent and catch you know sixteen seventeen eighteen pounds a day and I think that's what the shallow stuff used to be fairly good for on that lake. But with it being three and a half feet low, there's just so much stuff that's going to be out of the water that I just, I don't know that you can do that unless you find really, really the right, you know, area that's got some stumps in it or, or something to that effect. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Well, I, I tell you what, let's go ahead and we'll run through our short questions here, uh, and uh, then we'll we'll see where we end up. But I guess uh, if if you're ready, what's your favorite lake? Uh, I guess probably Texoma. I mean, I say that just because you know I've lived on it all my life, and you know I just I really like fishing Texoma because I know it so well. But as you know, if I'm just going somewhere for fun. I, don't, I haven't been out there in years, but Clear Lake in California is where I caught the biggest bass of my life. Weighed 12, 11 or something like that. So that was pretty neat. What did you catch it on? Was it on like a really big swim bait or something cool? Nope, it was sight fishing. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, uh, God, catching a big one sight fishing is awesome. Um, yes. Let's see. So you answered, you answered biggest large mouth. What's your biggest small mouth and what's your biggest spotted bass? Uh, biggest small mouth is six, three, I think six, three or six, four. And I really don't know. Biggest spotted bass, probably four pounds. Okay. I like it. Um, let's see. What's your favorite technique? Uh, probably sight fishing. 
of course that don't really count because that's only part of the year you know other than that just anything shallow a lot i like to fish shallow moving something moving fast i like it what's your favorite food chicken fried steak okay what's your favorite boat snack could be the same thing i guess <laughs> you could take some cold yeah, steak I, out there i don't take that much to eat uh I, i'm i'm really a health nut as you can tell you know like chicken fried steak and i like a hershey with almonds out on the boat and a dr okay, pepper okay that's good that's good i mean it's got some like nuts in it that's protein that's clutch yeah see there you go yeah yeah that's a that's a health food for sure that's right. Um, I probably, you know, I feel like probably, you know, Brandon Palinick probably doesn't eat that on the boat, but if it works for you, it works for you. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to be, you got to be different. Go against the grain. I like it. Um, do you have any, uh, do you have any superstitions? No, not okay. really. What's your favorite music? Uh, country. I like it. Um, do you listen to whatever's on, or do you have like a really good old country radio station that you listen to in Oklahoma? Because I feel like you might. No, I really don't. Uh, my wife's got, you know, on this Alexa thing, and you know, here I am calling these things. You, you got to understand, I'm not very uh, electronically whatever in tune with the world <laughs> i don't not, know man you get you're awesome at live scope or... you've got smart speakers in your house uh, like you got a lot going on here <laughs> don't say yourself that's short. my wife but she's got a eddie rabbit pandora that just plays like you know old 80s country and stuff nice i really like that good deal um what uh if you had a uh, fishing weakness what is it uh Probably, probably my biggest weakness is offshore fishing. You know, like probably deep cranking or something like that. Fair enough. Um, what is your braid to fluoro leader knot? Um, FG knot. I like it. And when you flip, do you snell or do you not snell? No, I don't snell. Okay. And then what's the deepest bass you've ever caught? Probably 60 foot. That's pretty deep. That's, uh, did you catch it, uh, did you catch it like up in the Ozarks or something or like local to you around home? Yeah, Table Rock. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, Jeff, I tell you what, it's been a really good time talking to you. I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to Rayburn. I think it's going to be a fun season. I feel like you're well positioned. Um, but before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, whether it's some social media, some sponsor stuff, uh, whatever you got, I'm all ears. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I say, I got an Instagram account, Jeff Reynolds Outdoor. Anybody that wants to get on there and, and follow along, I'm going to try to do a lot this season and, and, uh, you know, really try to work the social media game the right way and, and get the right sponsors and and really do it right this time. You know, make a career out of it, and hopefully it's a long-lasting career. And uh, Just, I mean, you know, I've got some 
some good sponsors behind me now. You know, Phoenix Boats, Anderson Logging, Sunline, TH Marine, Proless Custom Rods, uh, Tacolatic, Power Pole, Garmin, Optima Batteries, Secret Lures, Active Real Estate. I mean, a lot of good sponsors that that I, I'm lined up with. I'm excited to have them and hopefully do good things for them and just grow your sponsors. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's the name of the game. And hopefully uh, I do the stuff that I need to do and have a great career at this. That, that's my goal. All righty. Well, uh, Jeff, I like the sound of it. And uh, I'll see you down here at Rayburn in really just a couple of days. It's coming up wicked fast. Absolutely. I'm ready for it. Look forward to seeing you down there. All right, so Kyle, we're back, and we have actual tournaments to talk about. This is, of course, huge. Um, I guess off the bat, we'll start with Florida, because everything after we get through with Florida is going to be about Texas, pretty much. Yep. Um, but we had the first uh, Southeastern uh, Conference event of the year in Abu Garcia College Fishing. Uh, it was on the Harris Chain, and... Uh, the Emmanuel College team of Seth Jenkins and TJ McKenzie caught 25 pounds, 14 ounces for the dub. Yeah, and a huge um, field in this one, by the way. Yeah, uh, 189 teams, which is like the largest season opening field in MLF college fishing history. We've had some other big fields. I know it was like a top 10 field for us. Uh, but anytime you get into qualifiers like oh it was the largest season opening or the largest in this like then it gets a little more sketchy right right um but yeah it was a big field i would imagine that uh you know probably uh griffin was pretty busy i I would think so (laughs) out in those flats over there uh but anyway they uh basically fished pretty much offshore um they were mostly fishing slow uh, as far as I can tell, they caught fish on a uh, six sense ridge worm and a zoom speed worm, uh, which obviously is a you know pretty classic Florida thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they fished. It doesn't say what lake they fished in, but they must have fished in not the Harris, not Harris or Little Harris, because they had to idle back uh, through a canal, and uh, you know pretty well crushed them to be honest. Yeah, they really did. Uh, you know, they say in there that, you know, they were kind of, they wanted 30 pounds because uh, that's what it normally yeah. takes. Cool. But uh, 26 pounds is still pretty good. Here's the thing, though. They only won by an ounce. Weber International uh, ha- of uh, Vincent uh, Maffey, I guess, and Andrew Reddy, and I think they're from, like, Florida, uh, had 25-13. And then Florida Gateway College had 25-9. For third, and then there was like a twenty-two pound bag and fourth. So, top three were like freaking right on there. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's cool. Um, it's awesome to have uh have tournaments again. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure. Oh gosh. Uh, there was another Emmanuel College team in the top ten too. Um, I wonder if they, I wonder if they fish the same stuff or if they had different. Or if they had, you know, separate. Georgia's just rolling, entirely, man. That's what you entirely said. Entirely separate areas. Dude, Georgia on fire lately. Just crushing, crushing it. Crushing it. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I 
am continually every year I'm a little more bummed at how few of these college guys I'm like oh yeah I know who that is because I'm just getting so old. <laughs> so far removed from it now <laughs> yeah I mean I, I there was a time when I worked here and I was like oh yeah I fished against him and I did not fish against any of these guys now I think both of these kids might have been born after 2000 <laughs> there was also a time where uh working here you'd be like wow that guy's still fishing that's impressive yeah now i don't know <laughs> yeah now i don't know um but yeah for a while man i i could have sworn cole floyd was in college for like 20 years forever <laughs> yeah all right uh kyle shall we talk phoenix bass fishing league yeah uh we kicked the season off cowboy division event that was on sam rayburn and uh austin castile won it uh 19 pounds three ounces uh i remember maybe you and i texted about this because we were both pretty hyped going into it that like oh baby we're gonna see a big bag win well it turns out it blew like a million miles an hour uh i think out of the southeast so pretty much like right down the lake and uh yeah it was made it not like fun. everybody we talked to about that tournament lebrun you talked to dickie was like it was terrible yeah <laughs> like uh you couldn't there's no way you're running any of those offshore fish. Um, and uh, finesse was kind of the name of the game for uh, Castile. He fished a drop shot with a watermelon red zoom finesse worm uh, to catch the bulk of his fish. He caught a pile of fish. He says he caught like 30 to 40, um, and which is you know a pretty good pile of fish. 19-3, probably would have seen a bigger winning weight had the wind not been howling. But uh, still, decent bag and uh you know good turnout and got things rocking and rolling for the uh you know bfl season yeah for sure it was a it was a big field um there was a 712 uh on the boater side that's a pretty uh, big one 14 on the co-angler side caught by the second place guy the first place co-angler had 21 four i was, by the way. I was just gonna Max. i was just gonna point that out <laughs> He won the tournament. Yep. <laughs> he beat everyone. Yeah, he, he double wins. Um, I think he fished behind Chris McCall, too, uh, which probably Chris hated that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure Chris was real happy. Yeah. he's a Chris is a good guide, though, so this is more proof. That's true. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it was fun to start the season. Uh, Lee Livesey finished second uh, with 18-15, uh, which I guess is worth noting Mm -hmm. um i don't i mean i don't know exactly what austin has fished before but there's a decent chance he's not beaten like too many elite series pros before this time he beat like you know a bunch of an elite series dude he beat you know nick lebrun like he had himself a pretty good day that's awesome so austin has actually only fished two events with major league fishing he fished as a co-angler in 2017 in the cowboy division bfl and this tournament was his very first entry as a boater. Very first tournament ever as a boater with MLF in the Cowboy Division. So, yeah, to win, um, dude must be uh, pretty stout. No doubt about it. He definitely had an awesome tournament. And I love that he caught him on a drop shot. I mean, Not what I was expecting. Like, I could see a Carolina yeah. rig zoom finesse worm or something, but uh, drop shot, like, ooh, okay. It's that co-angler yeah, in him. drop shot with... A drop shot with Zoom is a little bit questionable. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but 
you know, we'll he'll work on that. We'll we'll but have hey, him talk to you some know, folks. he won. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was definitely it's cool to see that. I remember last year, Shuffield, I think, had a really big day in the Bass Pro Tour event on Rayburn with a drop shot. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that wasn't uh, wasn't Gleason throwing a drop shot a bunch. Yeah, yeah, he um, was uh, pitching that thing around back in what twenty twenty or whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it makes it's not out of this world, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more like that in this upcoming Pro Circuit event. Which maybe Kyle is what we need to dive into right now, because like I think that you and I are both somewhat convinced that this is kind of going to be a grinder of a derby on Rayburn. Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of things going i don't even know if i want to say against the tournament but there's a lot of factors that are going to make the fishing maybe not be as good as it could um i still say we should have just never come back after 2019 (laughs) right it was like so dope and we're just should have been like all right it's great called it quits sunset yeah (laughs) because right off baby this uh, (laughs) this time around we have uh the lake i just closed the dang tab i think uh, it's like, well, as of today, it's like three feet low. I know last year when I covered that Toyota Series event, uh, which would have been, I guess, about this time, the lake was like two and a half feet below um, conservation pool. So, like a foot lower than last year. I haven't looked back to um, 2020, right? Was that the last time we were there? Now I'm getting all confused on what year. Yes, twenty nineteen. Look that up for us, right? Yeah, that was the that was when it was flooded. Yeah, so twenty nineteen, real high. I can't remember the water level in twenty twenty, but basically, the lake stayed. This past summer was like flood stage for most of the summer, um, which was not super great. Probably part of the reason that there's not a ton of hydrilla in the lake right now. And really, I guess the last few years, you know, it hasn't been um, stellar. And a lot of that is just from the, the lake has spent a lot of time really high. And then when it comes down, you know, you have this huge void of, like, from shoreline to where the grass starts growing that you normally would have nice hydrilla and it's just, it's not there. And uh, Dickie says, you know, the there's good hydrilla to be found, not a lot of it, but fish will get caught out of it, right? So... Yeah. I guess that's kind of one storyline from the early stages of this event. One thing I kind of have taken to understand about the hydrilla situation is that, like, a lot of people are going to find it, too. Like, it's not, you know, if you pre-practiced or if you know historically where to go look, it's it doesn't seem like finding hydrilla. I guess you could certainly find something off the beaten path, yeah. right? yep. But it seems like it's likely that a lot of people are going to be fishing pretty close to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other um, the other storyline is something that I feel like we talk about, um, or at least you know on a lot of, you know, a lot of these popular lakes is there's going to be other events. This time around, though, it seems like every tournament in Texas is happening <laughs> the, the weekend of this pro circuit event. Uh, there's like, couple hundred boats and uh some local thing there's i think a high school tournament too which 
Texas uh, high school tournaments are normally like 8,000 boats, plus or minus a couple yes. thousand. Uh, so it's going to get a little busy um, come come Saturday and, and really probably, um, you know, Thursday or Friday too from uh, whether it's, you know, guys out poking around for the high school event or for their local tournament. And um, that could definitely kind of sh- change how things uh, play out for this one. But it sounds like the fishing, uh, despite all that, should be pretty good. Like, guys will be able to catch them kind of wherever um, or however they want. Um, be able to catch them pretty shallow. Be able to catch them probably on a trap in some hydrilla. Uh, we'll definitely see guys running around a lot of that, like, offshore, those, like, um, you know, deeper points and – uh, Dickie calls them ridges, but you know, some of that stuff with hard spots or, uh, stumps on the end of them where you have that potential for like those 30 to maybe 40 pound bags. Like we'll see a lot of guys doing that too. Um, and it'll be, uh, I don't know. It'll be good. The weather looks like we're coming on a warming trend. The big thing Dickie pointed out to me was for a while, the water temperatures have been pretty, pretty toasty warm, uh, for, you know, Rayburn standards, uh, in the winter, uh, as of late, they've gotten cooler weather and that's helped bring the water temps down into like the fifties, which is why he pointed out to me, the, uh, recent rattle trap tournament, the open they had, uh, this past Sunday, the 16th, um, it took 22 pounds to win, uh, 21 for second or 21 and a half, then 21, uh, Third and fourth were both like 21, fifth was 21, a couple of 20-pound bags. Like, the weights were a little better, and Dickie says that's partially because that cooler weather helped group those fish up and kind of get them positioned where you can catch them a little better. And why he thinks a rattle trap might actually play in this one, where we really haven't seen a lipless bite, a really good lipless bite, the last couple times we've had the pro circuit there anyhow. Yeah, it's been like, you know, guys have caught good bags on a lipless, but have we had a, I, I don't know if we've had a top 10 baits gallery that's been like three quarters lipless baits, <laughs> right. half lipless baits, like you would kind of dream about on Rayburn, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. Um, but there have been some great moments. Remember uh, Corey Neese, how he caught him on a lipless early in that, uh, pro, in yeah. that I guess it was a pro circuit event. Like, dude, he cracked And him. we were like, here we go, man, like. It's fixing to go yeah, down, and then, it, and then it didn't really go down. It, it, yeah, it fizzled pretty hard. <laughs> I spent a lot of the, the rest of that tournament uh, watching Tommy Dickerson fish for, like, two-and-a-half-pounders and, a half pounders and <laughs> you know, stumps. Right. And he was, like, making the cut, doing great, kind of almost won the tournament. <laughs> but, boy, it was not quite the level of excitement I dreamed about. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really interested – just because of, like, Derek Mundy last year, uh, Anthony Sharp the year before, um, the the big bags that have come from this offshore stuff, I, I know guys have looked at it the last couple times we've been there, and it obviously wasn't a thing because no one got dialed in enough or could, maybe just didn't have the time to pursue it. But I'll be really curious – if someone can stumble in on that or if they put more focus on it. I know they only have two days of practice. Uh, that certainly will play into that. But, you know, maybe for these guys, some of these guys that did a little homework beforehand, maybe some of these local guys that 
have the ability to put a little more pre-practice time in. Uh, I want to see someone catch a dang big bag doing some cool offshore raven stuff. Carolina rig, football jig, uh, big crankbait, uh, something like that, you know. As much as I want to see him crush him on a trap and a drain, give me like a 10XD or a 6XD and a Carolina rig and like eight pounders jumping everywhere. That would be pretty amazing. Um, I forget who it was, but it was you and Kurt covered a tournament. The guy won offshore with Carolina Rig in the summertime. Yep. Um, but who was it who won it? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, Chris. We're going to find out. Uh, King? No. No. Anyway, Wilson? Chris no. Wilson. I think it was yeah. Chris Wilson. I think you're right. Yeah, I think we got it. He's like a Carolina rig dude. Yeah, it, that was a really cool tournament. Yeah. Um, it, granted, that was summertime. The water, it was like flooded, and he was the guy fishing offshore. It seems like it almost seems like the offshore bite is better when Rayburn is flooded. You know, it, remember when, uh, when Thrift won? Mm-hmm. Wasn't Rayburn kind of low then? Um... Yes, it was. And because I remember a like, lot of guys talking about, um, oh gosh, what's the uh, and I think the the Black Forest is that the big flooded stretch, right? All the stumps and yeah, stuff yeah. out in the middle. Um, and there, a lot of guys were I very like, worried about navigating that when Thrift won. And point being, he won shallow, and I think like basically just Mark Rose caught him offshore. Yeah, from maybe Mark Rose, Rose and like Jason Manninger. Yeah, granted later in the year, but right, right. But that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely. I, I'm I'm really curious to see how it shakes out. I'm really curious to like get a look at the lake. I mean, I would love, I would almost love to adjust my fantasy team based on literally when I get down there and see the place, <laughs> because I just feel like. I feel like we don't know what's going to happen going into this one. And as much as I want the offshore bite to work out, I don't know. Like, think about how many people are out there idling around right now looking for these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know it's a big lake, but I wonder if what's happening to... I wonder if, you know... It's just going to be increasingly hard to see these spectacular things, you know. And, and maybe I'm, like, kind of being overly negative on it, but it, it might be that, you know, the days of Todd Castellan crushing 35 pounds, the days of Derek Mundy are numbered just because of the pressure the lake gets. Just like that kind of situation doesn't really happen on the Tennessee River that much anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's a, that's a good point. And I would think... Uh... Some of it, I mean, maybe not necessarily at the, like, pro circuit level. Again, because I don't think you have time to find those little tiny, you know, whatever. I'm thinking back to, like, yeah, two Lambert's days, last two days on practice Lake, on Rayburn is not a lot. Where he was, like, avoiding all the community holes that he already knew where spots fish would be and looking for those little spots off of the community holes where, like, five fish would sit, you know? So... Yeah, at pro circuit level, maybe not. But it's a good point that, like, pressure could be taking its toll. And especially with not as much hydrilla, you'd think a lot of these fish and a lot of the bait um, 
are kind of forced to relate to stuff that they probably wouldn't mind relating to anyway, but maybe you have a larger population of fish, you know, either moving out deeper or setting up somewhere in between, and and maybe that's kind of changing the whole um, atmosphere of the lake in terms of how it's been fishing in the winter. Yeah. What do you think about a Cody Huff-style dub? Ooh. You know, Ooh. You, were, you were there at Toledo. Yeah. There's a ton of shad in Rayburn. Mm-hmm. There's deep, there is some deep water. Like, why not let Spencer Shuffield go to town on these fish? You know what Dude, I mean? I mean, and why Why couldn't you, right? I mean, they're sort of the same, uh, same lake. Was it in, was it when Bolton won and the lake was really high, like Scott Martin and... Um, Caught that, like, nine-pounder live scoping with a drop shot yeah and like a lot of other i felt like not maybe not a lot other guys were doing that kind of thing of like floating around kind of out from some of the grass or off some of those big points and uh catching fish like i I, some guys were throwing spoons too i think um yeah that's a good point like again with technology uh you know obviously you can find the uh you know three stumps on the end of a point where a couple of eight pounders are living but also, there's a lot of guys in this field that are really good at forward-facing sonar. So maybe that's a storyline that plays out from Rayburn this time around. We've kind of had I can talk my- a couple different oh, events last time, you know. So maybe third yeah. time here, we're still looking at a same lake, completely different way to break it down. I, I can talk myself into a lot of scenarios, and I usually kind of come back to it being kind of a shallow, like being it kind of a grind a lot of lipless kind of fish, little small flurries, catching a kicker is huge. But I can also, at various points in time, talk myself into it being a super dope offshore tournament, a guy catching them somewhere way up a creek that nobody else gets to, or, you know, like a really cool live scopey kind of tournament. So I fluctuate a lot on what to do with this thing, but yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Dicky was pretty, um, pretty sold on like, if you catch 15 pounds a day for the first three days, you'll probably be fishing the final day. Uh, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if guys are doing some of that, you know, running way up the river, getting away from people. Uh, he said you should be able to fish a lot more of these pockets because the last time we were there, well, I, I guess the last two times we were there, a lot of those pockets were really muddy because they had rain. Well, 2019, it was just stupid flooded and there, <laughs> there was like still water pouring into the lake. Um, and a lot of those pockets were kind of blown out. Uh, the last time some of those pockets were also blown out this time, as of now, uh, Dickie says they're pretty clean. Like you can catch fish running the backs of some of those pockets or, you know, out, out of the mouth, at least of them, uh, where we haven't really been able to see that the last couple of times. So, you know, you could probably do a little this, a little of that, and then final day with zeroed weights, um, turn around and go hunt some live scope, uh, yeah. yeah. On some fish There's, offshore, I guess the, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, you know, there is not really any rain in the forecast between now and No, time. it looks pretty, I mean, it's like pretty nice. Basically really. a chance of showers, like, you know, Sunday, Monday, and that's about it. So, Although, now that we said it's that... It's going to be pretty stable. It'll, like, hurricane or something on us. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> we'll, we'll land in Houston, and uh, they'll, like... We'll go to our rental car place, and it'll actually be boats we'll need. <laughs> hey, that'd be all right, man. As long as it's got an old tracks. 
or some I form mean, of spot yeah, lock. If it's got spot lock, yeah. I'm in. Sign me uh, up. Or if it's got a GPS anchoring system. There you I go. I think that might... I don't really know what the term is for spot lock, but generic. <laughs> but, yeah. GPS um, anchoring. <laughs> I mean, what else would you no, call no, it, that's right? No, uh, that's a good way to describe it. I can't be like, oh man, I hit spot lock on my ghost. That doesn't make sense. No, because it's anchor <laughs> mode, right? On a ghost? Yes. What's it on a garment? And I don't know. I don't know. It's probably called like GPS anchor. Stationary or something. stationary <laughs> mode. Yeah, that would make sense. I'd be down with that. Spot lock is such a cooler name than any of the oh, other stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. That's it uh I guess it pays to they be the first right. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, hey, so Kyle, this year we got fantasy fishing. Should we talk about that? Did you pick a team yet? What's our status? Uh, I haven't picked a team, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to fantasy fishing. Uh, we've, we've been shuffled through these emails recently, but I mean, it's back. Like you said at the beginning of the show, we're, we're doing things. Yeah, uh, we are doing things. It is uh, the the format this year is probably not what you or I would necessarily set up, but it is very easy to play. You basically have uh, two buckets, which we're calling flights, and you can pick five dudes from each one. Uh, so getting to choose your five favorite guy, favorite anglers or five you know guys you think will do best from like, I don't know, 160 people, that's 80. Like, you have a lot of choice. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, it, so... It, on the one hand, it's hard because you have to make a decision, which I hate making decisions. You, everyone knows that. <laughs> On the other hand, it's really easy because you can basically pick like, you know, three or four superstars if you want to. And be like, yeah, these will be fine. I got it. This is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only rule is the only real rule that sort of constrains you is. For each tournament, in each flight, you need to pick one person below 40th in points. Uh, in the first event of the year, that is... I don't really even know how they assign point values to rookies, but they put them at the bottom. Oh. Um, which means Mark Rose is uh, below 40th <laughs> in points. Um, also, handily, uh, Dickie Newberry... And Nick LeBrun are also below 40th in points. So is River Lee, who lives right there. So is Matt Becker. Like, the first one is just hilarious how good of a team you could make with guys who are technically bad. <laughs> um, so uh, it's not a factor. I could see at Champlain it being a factor, though. You know, where if you have your one or two smallmouth guys that you're sure you want, on your team if they're doing well then you might have to like kind of get squirrely um and maybe some of the other events along the way but you know it's definitely i don't know it's a it's an easy thing to play but at the same time it's hard because you got to make good picks you know yeah. you can't just be like yep. well this was the obvious choice and uh i made it and it's either and it's going to work out with and if it doesn't well, 90, 90% of the people were wrong with me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess, shall I tell you who's on my team and you can tell me how I've made the mistakes that I've made? Yeah. All right. Excellent. 
So uh, in my flight one, I took Michael Neal, Dakota Ebert, Ron Nelson, Nick LeBrun, and Mark Rose. Wow. They seem pretty good to me. Wow. <laughs> I think that the first, I think also for this is weird. I think the flight one group is way, well, not way better, but it's really good. It's pretty stacked. Um, and then for flight two, I took Cole Floyd, Wesley Strader, Matt Becker, Dickie Newberry, and River Lee. Ooh. Um, Ooh. If there's anyone I cut in that, it might be Wesley or Becker. Um, I don't know exactly. But, like, you know, I'm not cutting Cole. Nope. not cutting Dickie. Nope. And I'm going to go ahead and swing on the rookie and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. So... It's it's definitely something I think that folks should uh, dive in on, just because it doesn't cost anything. You can win a rod, um, not as far as I can tell, like a super good rod. No offense to Abu Garcia, they're giving out like rods. I think they're giving out Veritases. I, I'm not. I don't think they're giving out Fantasistas. Okay. If you guys want to like kick that up a notch, I'm just saying. But <laughs> hook it up. <laughs> you know. I'm here for it. Also, you and I can't win them. Uh, we're employees. Yeah, right? we're not. We're I not learned eligible. that recently. Which we'll have to see how that plays out because, you know, I don't. I used to play fantasy fishing and be in groups, and I would definitely get mailed Strike King Six XDs, and I definitely uh, was an employee then. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they say we're not allowed, but actually people overlook it. That would be my hope, but we'll see. Um, anyway, I guess that's fantasy fishing, uh, for now. You should play, too. There's, like, a year-long prize. It's, like, a trip with, uh, it's either Bobby Lane or somebody else. Bobby Lane? Was Edwin <laughs> It's Evers either Bobby Lane or somebody else. Literally anyone in the world. Could be. Tons of people. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Bobby Lane for the Pro Circuit and Evers for the, uh, BPT. Ah. Um. I think. And that's like the season, like you get like a date, a guided trip or whatever, you know, with those dudes. Sure, sure. Your, uh, thing. So, uh, anyway, that's cool. You should play. I dig it. I'm actually, I'm scrolling through making my team now. One guy, uh, I didn't, I don't know if you picked him or not, but I was going Justin Cooper. Well, I feel like I almost did. Which group is he in? Uh,. The first one? Yeah, that was my problem with the first one. It's too good, right? It is. Yeah, it is pretty I, good. Look, I mean, on, I took I'm Michael Neal, Cody Bear, Ron Nelson, Nick LeBrun, Mark Rose. Like, I love Justin Cooper. I hope he wears – if he wears the orange shorts for this tournament, <laughs> I got to pick him. Game over. <laughs> but it's also, like, it's asking a lot to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just not use Mark Rose, you know? Yep. I also – I think that – Sheffield might have been in the first group too. He he uh, is. Yep. I took him. I also instead of Rose, I took Kerry Milner. Oh, Mr. Carolina rig right there. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I if I had had I wrote the fantasy preview like a, a preview thing for fantasy or whatever, like a picks thing. And if I had put more effort into it. Than I did. I put, you know, pretty good effort, but 
not like a thousand percent effort because it's fantasy fishing. I'm going to be wrong about stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, I certainly would have mentioned Milner because, yeah, you know that dude's going to be out there throwing a Carolina rig. He's not going to be a guy who comes in with six pounds. You know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm. going to have a good tournament. Yeah. He might have, like, three for 15 one day, but you're right. He's not going to uh, yeah. probably that's fall actually uh, That's actually probably a good note. So, for this one, it's entirely based on weight. So, you really want to make day three, the way I figure it. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you want every single... If you can have all your guys make day three, then whatever they catch is great. If they make the cut, even better. But I feel like there's a big difference in this one between 51st and 50th. So, I think that that was... I don't really know what that says, like how you should adjust your team. You probably shouldn't take guys who you think are going to do bad anyway. But I could see taking, like, the safest possible approach, you know, throughout the season as being a really good approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Because those extra days are going to be clutch. Most definitely. Um, but, yeah, I guess... Uh, I guess that's the deal. Anything else we want to talk talk about, Kyle? Uh, I mean, you winterized your boat, right? Like you're you're done. Yeah, done for the year. Well, not the year, the season. It's it's done. Well, yeah, um, season. Sad. Which is sad. Um, <laughs> it is sad. Very sad. Oh gosh. Uh, they got a nice beagle there at the at the marina, though. His name is Archie. He's cool. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But uh, that's uh, overall sad. Archie doesn't really take the sting away. Um, <laughs> and I guess we should note that this weekend there is a college event on Toledo Bend. Oh, yeah. And a high school event on Toledo Bend. Um, well, this weekend being honestly now at time people are listening to this yeah, <laughs> for the uh for the college one um so uh that's going on hopefully it's really good it looks a little bit brisk but not too terrible um i was looking at the weather a minute ago and it looked like you know they weren't going to get wind really all that bad um which is huge on toledo bend because yeah, that place is like gigantic and just so stumpy i am always Dude, so stumpy. <laughs> I hate navigating that place. I am also consistently shocked at how big it is. Yeah, yeah, like, it is. Every time I, I think about Toledo Bend, I'm like, oh, yeah, big lake. It is way bigger than is hard to describe big, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a big pond. Um, yeah, especially because, like, you know, well, let's say Lake Champlain, for example, right? There's some pretty good chunks of that that are 400 feet deep that you can eliminate. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not really the case on Toledo Bend. I mean, you may not know where to go, and you could go into this area and be like, oh, yeah, it looks pretty good over here. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's no bass in there because history says there's no bass in there, but it might look all right. <laughs> and that's <laughs> definitely a, a daunting task. <laughs> um, but anyway. Well said. I, uh, Kyle, I guess... I've had a good time if you've had a good time. I have had a good time. About wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. I say we uh, let the folks uh, get rolling. 
All right. Well, Kyle, next week you and I are going to talk in person for this. It is just going to be glorious. I'm looking forward to it so much. Oh, it's going to be nice. Um, the season will start. Uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com, obviously, your home for a lot of things. Uh, on Instagram, it's Kyle Lumber and Jody Blanco. Um, and, uh, oh, well, now nah, we'll do it next week. I've got, I've got some, like, you know, political things to plug here. Um, hey, uh, Kyle, as you know, I'm all in on anti-spraying uh, efforts, but we got Obama. to the end. I've got time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll do it. We'll do it next week. This is not, this is critical, but not urgent. So. Okay. All right. I'm, anyway. I'm all for the, the Jody rant. All right. Well, Kyle, let's do it then. <laughs> Folks, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Lake Bombazine is uh, one of uh, my favorite fisheries in the world. Probably my second favorite uh, behind Lake Champlain. Um, it is a fantastic lake. It is the largest lake contained entirely within the state of Vermont. Um, lake Champlain is obviously bigger, but shared with some other places. Uh, it's got great largemouth, great smallmouth fishing. Uh, it's got really big trout in it, big brown trout. Uh, it's got some gigantic pike. I This fall, I broke off one of the biggest pike that I've ever seen. Um, it was a big enough pike that I wanted to catch it. On wow. <laughs> um, and uh, the Lake Bombazine Association, which is the homeowners association there, is has not actually applied for, but is in the process of applying for a... Uh, permit to allow them to I th- use a, an herbicide called Priscillacore, which I think is a sort of a spray application. It's not, as far as I can tell, it's not pellets. It's uh, not like a manual type thing. Um, and uh, anyway, they're, they would like to, or they would like to consider using that on the lake. There is a lot of milfoil in Bamo. Um, Currently, it's controlled by, one, there being ice in the winter, two, it being a pretty deep lake in a lot of places, and three, they have uh, one of those weed cutters, you know, those big orange kind of... Oh, yeah, the big, like... Chopper harvester deals. I like to Um, call them combine. Which... Oh, that's a good one. Anyway, it works great to, like, essentially mow the lawn on Bamo. Like, it's a fantastic way to keep the grass from getting super out of hand, and, um... I'm a big I'm a big proponent of like mechanical weed harvesting. I think that's a really good thing to be doing. Um, but anyway, they haven't applied for the permit yet. They are probably going to, I believe. There is going to be a series of meetings about it. And honestly, I'm probably going to keep everybody super up to date on it because this is the thing that I care a lot about this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently, there are I would say two things you can do. Uh, if you are not local, or even if you are local, that would be dynamite. One is, we have a petition. It's on change.org. It is called Keep Lake Bombazine Chemical Free. You can go and you can sign that. I just did. You could... Oh, Kyle, thank you so Sorry, much. Sorry, I would have done it this sooner. Is... I saw your email, kind of forgot about it, and then you talking about it. Inspired me to go do it, so I just signed it. This is a side note. And if anybody wants to make this a competition, I'm all ears. I'm pretty sure more MLF employees have signed this uh, petition 
been BASS employees. Ooh. So I'm just saying, if anyone cares about fishing, <laughs> it might be MLF. You know, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. So <laughs> Proof's in the pudding, man. Um, yeah. Anyway, maybe hop on this, uh, this uh, petition here, boys. Um, but anyway, on that petition, there's uh, updates as well. Um, uh, the best point of contact to send a letter or something is uh, Misha Setner, who is a lake and shoreland permit analyst for the Vermont DEC. Uh, so if you want to uh, make your opinion known via snail mail, that is, from what I've been told, a dynamite thing to do. So uh, anyhow, Kyle, I'm off my soapbox now. Thank you so much. Well, hey, I appreciate it. I like you taking your stand for it because um, I, I think a lot of time it, Florida comes to mind, right? Like if people are still listening to this and have listened to the podcast for a while, we almost cannot talk about Florida without grass issues right usually spraying or removal of grass somehow but in like very large uh quantities where it drastically affects fishing and we're talking like okeechobee and toho and uh you know Kissimmee, harris chain like pretty large lakes uh that still have pretty good fishing it sounds to me like this in bamo uh spraying wise where you're actually like killing the whole plant bad deal all around because i'm with you like i get some some uh some combining of milfoil or whatever uh invasive weed like you know in minnesota they do a lot of that um cutting or combining of it on lake minnetonka um you know there's a lot of money on lake minnetonka a lot of people complain about not being able to ski through their little bay in front of their house or whatever and i get it but there's still healthy milfoil around, you know, and fish, like, population's fine because of it. Man, you start killing that stuff off with chemicals, uh, that's a bad deal. Yeah, there's, so one of the lakes in Vermont, which is Lake St. Catherine, which is just a couple miles south of Bamo, is, I think, a really good example for why chemical control of the grass can go really awry, um, one being they've been using a couple different chemicals sort of off and on since I think either 2004 or 2014. I don't have that number fixed in my head. I should. Um, but uh, point being, um, oh yeah, 2004. So anyway, uh, so point being that lake, Uh-oh. did you one, pass out? it has very rarely <clears throat> had zero milfoil in it. Um, Whoa. The, uh, yeah, what was that? Are you still there? I am still, but it, like, beeped a little bit like it lost connection or something. Anyway, so (laughs) St. Catherine has very rarely had zero milfoil in it, you know, despite being treated in 2004 and being treated a number of times since. Recently, they have achieved almost zero milfoil, mostly through suction harvesting. Whoa. Uh, where, like, you actually have essentially a vacuum to vacuum up milfoil. Um, which is, like, specific and probably not terrible for the environment and certainly effective. Um, one of the weird things, though, is that despite there not being as much milfoil in the lake as there probably was before they started 
uh, controlling it with, you know, with chemicals is it's not like the native grasses has just bounced back to create this flourishing ecosystem. Oh, sure. You know, if you, you know, fish along a stretch of shoreline at Bamo and you fish along a stretch of shoreline at St. Catherine, the difference in just the quantity of life is like, it's kind of night and day. Like the number of bluegill and perch that are in Bamo will blow you away compared to the numbers that there are in St. Catherine. Oh. Um, and, you know, they've, obviously it's something that's been treated for a while. There's also an issue, and I think this might be more if it's done improperly, but when you kill a bunch of vegetation, that's going to result in your oxygen content going down. Almost certainly. Yep. Yep. In the lake. And when you're dealing with northern fisheries, you're dealing with trout, you're dealing with smelt, which are a major food source on uh, on Bamo. You're dealing with uh, pike. And these are fish that are like a lot more delicate and sensitive to the oxygen content than, you know, like necessarily a largemouth, than a carp, than something like that. A lot of the studies that I've seen that deal with herbicides when they do testing in and around fish they use carp as like one of their species which to me is just not a good indicator <laughs> no for the type of fishery we're dealing with um so i think it's got a lot of unknowns let's put it that way mm-hmm. for sure um and yeah i'm all for a mechanical solution like if i lived there one it'd be awesome two <laughs> i would probably you know, there's a pretty good chance that, like, I would, you know, once a couple, every couple weeks, like, I probably would rake the grass around my dock, you know? Like, I wouldn't necessarily want that all the time. At the same time, I mean, you're kind of, I, I, I'm obviously not for a chemical solution. Right, right, yeah. And um, there's, it's, uh, it's tough, too, because like I said, you know, with Minnetonka, again, in a lot of the lakes, um, if there's like a lakeshore association or something, you get enough people complaining and a lot of people, uh, more specifically talking like Minnetonka, uh, there's plenty of money to throw around, you know, that'll, that goes a long way towards kind of whatever they want to do for treating it. Right. Whether it's contracting out a company or, um, you know, sometimes the state may come in and do something like it, it, uh, but you can, you could tell drastic differences when chemical, applications are applied to remove vegetation versus some of those uh uh i guess what'd you call it? like manual is that yeah like manual mechanical, mechanical. I, mechanical. I feel like mechanical is good mechanical is the one yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah but like because you could fish through an area after um you know those mechanical things have gone by the combine uh for example or the cutter and i mean yep. there's still fish like bobbing around in there you know what i mean if you go somewhere yeah. where you see, um, I guess I don't know how they do it out there, but in Minnesota, usually you see like an orange sign on someone's dock or on the shoreline saying like, hey, this stretch was sprayed, you know, X amount of days ago, this was the chemical used. It's like dead. Like you don't see, like you said, you don't see a bluegill, you don't see a bass scooting around, you don't see a carp. It's just like, you might as well pick up and go somewhere else. Uh, there ain't a whole lot happening there. And uh, I feel like that's a pretty telling thing of what uh chemical applications can do yeah that's it 
I'm with you 100%. Let's tie it back to Florida. We're getting someone on here from Okeechobee. Let's talk about how they're destroying the fishery. Well, I've kind of run into some trouble with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was was just getting ready to say, Jody, I'll let you take the lead on this. Um, yeah, but actually, uh, I think it's Anglers for Lake O is a good resource if you want to get involved with uh, Lake Okeechobee management, or really maybe management of grass in Florida in general, because it's certainly a contentious subject down there as well. Very much. Um, but anyway, uh, Kyle, it's been a pleasure. It's 4.04 right now, which means Eli really needs to be fed. He <laughs> is like, this has been... The last 15 minutes are torture for him. (laughs) Poor guy. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead, let you go. And uh, folks, MajorLeagueFishing.com next week. We got four days. It's going to be live. We're going to have hopefully a lot of fish get caught. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll do some things. Season starts. And if you have any thoughts on um, spraying or killing weeds, hit us up. Podcast uh, at MajorLeagueFishing.com. Or flwfishing.com, whatever you like. And uh, yeah, Jody, I'll let you feed Eli. Safe travels to the Lone Star State. And uh, I guess until next time, see you.